Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and I messed up that intro. Let's try that again. Three, two, one. <laughs> Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Stefan Hedebrandt of Dream Data about content ROI and uh, and attribution, um, mostly the attribution aspect, I think. So Stefan is a subject matter expert in connecting marketing activities with revenue, attribution. We'll get into that, obviously, main topic here. And he's also a, a data-driven and loves all parts of scaling the commercial side of a business. Stefan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Guy. I'm, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the conversation and the uh... Hopefully to market the shit out of uh, attribution. Yeah, let's get on to marketing <laughs> shit out of attribution. So some of the listeners might be thinking attribution, that sounds familiar. Can you give us a quick kind of explanation of, of what attribution is? Yeah, Nora, I can give you an explanation of what it is to me, at least. Um, as just, you know, out of pure experience, what I've learned in my career is that uh, like the easiest thing to to be successful with is things that worked in the past, the last month, the last six months, the last year or, or something like that. And then the attribution term to me comes up that we want to take a look at all the our customer journeys we have in our B2B company. And we want to look at what are the components that looks to be like consistently present whenever we win deals. So that would make us like come become into a situation where we identify these things that we can probably go out and do more of or at least copy and replicate it into something similar that we can expect uh, to work as well so attribution in in a simple description to me is kind of uh, you know the cheat codes of the computer game mm -hmm. type in these things and by doing these things again hopefully that would be successful once more so it's, you know, mapping the full journey, finding the things that seems to work and repeating those things. That That's the attribution game for me. So it's basically identifying, hey, what's worked in the past? Let's do more of that. Um, yeah. Maybe the opposite of the old marketing um, cliche of saying, hey, half of our marketing works, but we don't know which half. Yeah. You're saying with <laughs> attribution, you're saying, well, let's figure out which half and do more of that. Exactly, exactly. Excellent. So whenever possible, we're looking to figure out what's worked. Sometimes not possible, probably, but whenever mm. possible, figure out what's worked in the past, focus more on what's worked than what hasn't. Totally. And I think the more experience you get as a marketer, you know which things is it that work that works. And you sometimes you have to measure it super granular, and other times it's like, whoa, okay, some we did this, something happened. Let's just go out and repeat it. So that, sounds, you know, that, that sorry, sounds simple. And, uh, you know, kind of brilliant, like, oh, yeah, it's a kind of a no duh thing. And it sounds simple, but it gets a lot more complex to the extent that a lot of people out there, like this was a hot thing a couple of years ago or in past years. And then you get this wave of people saying, oh, attribution doesn't work. Don't do attribution. Attribution is dead. Um, so there are some complexities. It can be done wrong, right? Like it isn't yeah, just, hey, what worked? Great. Now let's do more of that. You can misidentify what worked fairly easily if you're not careful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think uh, like my stance is just, I don't want to inv invent something that isn't there. 
So that's what we're obsessed with at our company is to to identify those things that you deterministically can say, hey, these are part of your journeys. You can go out and do more of these things and then you can expect to to profit from it. Mm. Whereas I think the where it has gone wrong a lot of times has been where people over trust the data or particularly in the CRM system, there's this original source field, which is nine out of 10 times not the original source. And then sometimes the BDR goes and say, hey, that's my meeting. And then the field marketers say, oh, we met that guy at the conference. So that was the first touch. And like, then they cycle all the way around and just completely dilute what the first touch, uh, sorry, original source actually is. So everybody and- wants to take credit. So they get credit, which means you can misattribute stuff. So that's one way things can go wrong. Exactly. And it's because the CRM systems are not really built for handling like all these data inputs from all over the place. <laughs> they, like, you know, we attack it from a, a, you can say like a data warehouse kind of, uh, kind of point of view where we just, you know, here's a timestamp that happened at, on Monday, the XXX and this month at this conference, you met this person. Next Tuesday, this guy comes in from the same company on your website. So we want to objectively just state everything that is part in that journey. And then you can have your own opinion about what was the important thing or not. We just don't want to override any <laughs> any conclusions. So you're talking about multi-touch attribution there. I believe yes. kind of early on attribution was, hey, what's the initial thing that happens? Or what's the first thing that gets entered in the system as this is where this lead came from or, or opportunity came from. And then that was just it. And then people yeah. said, Hey, there's actually a lot of touches going on here. The first time somebody clicked through to our website, maybe we shouldn't always attribute everything to that. Um, yeah. Since almost everybody comes to our website at some point first, but what's really bringing them in. So then you start tracking everything. Then you have the issue of, we have 50 touches with this company. We have 15 touches with the person we ended up closing with. We have, 20 people that were involved in the sales process, they all have different touches. How do we decide which ones of these actually brought the deal in or closed the deal or who to give the most credit to? And that's where it starts getting, it seems complicated versus inaccurate. You can have a single touch that can just be inaccurate because Mm. somebody's trying to claim they were the one who brought it in that wasn't maybe or uh, that kind of stuff. But then you can have tons of touches and like how do you manage that i think it's uh you're touching something that's super important as guy because it, like any journey that is only represented by let's say five percent of all the touches no matter which attribution model you're gonna apply here is gonna like will be in a high risk of misleading you because you only have data from like like just five percent out of the 100 touches or something like that so, so this is, I can say, tactic number one in terms of attribution is you need to get as much data as you can available about your customer journeys, put it into one place, and then you need to clean out those journeys so they're like deduplicated and put into a nice timeline. And then afterwards, once you've aggregated all this data, then you can start to apply an, an attribution model, which is, you know, Essentially, it's just showing the truth from different perspectives. So if you apply that attribution model to 50% of the data instead of just 5%, then it's more likely to be representative. 
but you are 100% correct that no attribution vendor will ever get you to 100% no matter what you do because stuff's happening that just don't leave a trace. Hmm. You had this beer at a conference with this guy who knew this other guy and then he sent them to your website. Never going to catch it. Or DMs in a Slack channel between two trusted people. Never going to catch it. Uh, LinkedIn messaging, etc. So it's happening all over the place, these things that you, that doesn't leave a um, a trace behind. Uh, what we're in the business of is just saying, let's take any digital touch that you do have available and let's that make that part of the equation. You still have to apply common sense and gut feeling to, should you just completely move your ad budget over to this one campaign because it converted one deal? No, you probably shouldn't. Or you're posting on LinkedIn, suddenly some of your ICPs are interacting with that LinkedIn post. That's hard to measure. Is it valuable? Yes, it is. Right. So it's kind of you need to apply data where it makes sense, and you need to apply gut feeling where where that makes sense as well. So certain channels might be very difficult to track or yeah. to get into the system where you can see they happen, um, and some are kind of automatic. So some maybe you're set up to where it's automatically added to the CRM from some digital channel, but especially analog things, if nobody hard enters it in. You can get yeah. an incomplete picture. I feel like it's almost like polling for, for political elections where you <laughs> want to have some sort of a margin of error. And some people, maybe mm. most of their marketing activities are trackable in the system. So their margin of error may be low on where deals come from, the attribution. Yeah. And some people, it might just, it might be really high because they're like, hey, our system is very sloppy. Most of our activities are tough to get reported um so we just know we're not going to have a very accurate picture of is that kind of thing like because you guys yeah. do an attribution platform right do you have something yeah, yeah, that yeah. is kind of like a margin of error uh i think the, to think about it as a margin of error is the perfect way to think about it because we're not looking for 100 percent of the truth we're looking for something where we are to make decisions about what are the best parts and what are the worst parts of our go-to-market and then you want to eliminate some of the clearly the worst parts and then move that budget into those things that are clearly the better parts. And if you kind of jump in a like a tandem between those two things, then over time you move your go-to-market into a really good place. So yeah, forget about thinking as like a 100% discipline, but more getting a lot better at doing educated guesses on what's working or, or what's not working. So you're not going to take two, let's say, marketing activities in the middle of the pack. And you're like, oh, there are a couple percentages different. We should move budget from one to the other. You're like, no, 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 no. Those are could be swapped within the margin of error. No idea. You're really looking for the extremes. Hey, this appears to be really successful and this appears to be really unsuccessful to make adjustments on. You know, you become much more agile and, you know, it's such so much simpler to make the decision making when it's happening in these extreme good or extreme bad, rather than trying to short call something that might be a 50-50 call anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just move on, let, let that be and move on to the, the clear things. Right. And you're probably plenty busy enough to, to just do those two things and then go have meetings, talk to customers, go to conferences, uh, et cetera. Excellent. So I want this to be kind of catered towards the content. Yeah. Because um, there's tons of different type of marketing and you know sales activities. You want them all to get attribution um 
but uh, let's let's try to focus on the content here. And I guess even before we get to that, um, it seems like small businesses, large businesses might have very different issues with attribution. I mean, a small business, you got one salesperson, they're all no real marketing department. Um, talking about a really small business, a micro business here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, kind of. They're going to have a different attribution. It's probably just all in their head, right? They kind of know what's working and what's not working. Maybe it does help for them to inspect it, but things can be done kind of manually. You start to get to medium to large, you get a whole different uh, set of problems with attributing stuff because you have so much information, so much sales and marketing activities going on. Mm. Um, is there a type or size of business that shouldn't really worry about attribution or that it's simple for? I think when you're, uh, particularly in the small uh, part of it, you shouldn't be thinking about software. You should be more thinking about one, what is our narrative about how we produce money or revenue? Like, what is it that we plan to do that we think will produce us money? And then you can do the opposite once you sign deals. Look back at what is our gut feeling and the little data we have available and just have a conversation about what was this path that it took. Because we all, you, you just want to stimulate that discussion about how is it that we make money? Because then you start to see, okay, then I have proof for this and I think this is working. And then you little by little, you can amplify the different parts. But it starts with that story. Like if there's the same way, okay, we bought a thousand leads from Mountaintop Data. We emailed them, called them. Then we had five new customers or whatever came out of it. And that's at least a start of a story. What if we then started to make ads towards these people while we then were contacting them? So I think just this story about how is it that we make money in this company is just so crucial because we're in there for the commercial things. We're not, you know, we're not in there for, you know, hoping that it works. So let's just have a good time together. We need to come up with the story about how is it that this company makes money? And then you're completely right. The larger you get, the more data you have. And then I think, the bigger go-to-market spend you have, the more need to have more like granularity to to the to this whole discussion. But but does that kind of thinking make sense, uh, Sky? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Like a small business, depending on the value of your product, you may be closing one deal a day or one deal a month. Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy, even a couple deals a day, to manually look at every deal that's closed and really yeah. figure out manually where it came from. And then it's it's almost like whether you record that in a spreadsheet or put it in your CRM if you have one at that yeah. size, whatever, it's pretty easy to then look back and say, oh, okay, here's where I remember these deals and I remember kind of where they came from and what the process yeah. was and what worked. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I think for the small the, businesses, that's the model. Once you scale, you can't do that. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. But I would so another advice to the small businesses out there: try to get into habits of making the things you do leave a digital trace behind. So instead of just calling from your phone, use a calling software. It's typically in, in, uh, complementary to your CRM or stop doing your Gmail inbox, but use an email software. So things get locked once you do it. And if you meet 20 people at a conference, go write it back into the CRM system once you're back from the conference. So when you do feel like now it's time to have this analysis or a little bit deeper discussion, then there is actually this data path to follow once you want to do that. Because if you don't do it, it's too late at the point of time where you want to actually have this discussion. 
Yeah, I think for really small businesses, the CRM, and there's so many available, inexpensive or free even CRMs, just yeah. being able to have a, a digital place that you can search and see, oh, here's all the deals for the last year, the last couple of years for a specific product. And mm -hmm. then every time a deal's closed, you can tag it with the sort, you know, manually look it up or try to remember where this come from and tag it with, oh yeah, here's what really made a difference in this one. A, a simple semi-manual version of attribution. You know, set up HubSpot and like once you send sales emails, CC HubSpot, when you call people, just call them with clicking it from inside of HubSpot. And then like little by little, you start having a, at least a, like dots on the, the, the journey of your accounts. So this small business attribution, the um, philosophy is still there and still the same. You want to know where your deals came from, what's successful. Assuming you have two pieces of content you put out or three or four, whatever it is in small, maybe yeah. you're writing a weekly blog. You can see then what is driving the most um, from your content into your sales. A small business, yeah. it's probably referrals or a couple specific direct activities you're doing that are driving um, most of the sales. But you can't grow larger off of referrals only, really. That is not that scalable of a thing. There is no large business that gets most of its business from referrals. This is a, uh, you know, even once you get large, they're not called referrals. Uh, maybe you have an affiliate network then. Okay, that's, mm. that's different. Now, which affiliates are driving the stuff? Um, but the content side of things, let's say we have a company that has a medium amount, you know, a dozen pieces of content or something like that. And we want to, make sure you're getting attribution for what content's making a difference. Mm. Maybe it's put out on social media. It's sent in emails. It could be the salespeople are using it to help assist a sale. Um, any tips on how companies can, can evaluate what content is making a difference and what content isn't? Yeah, uh, this is a problem. Uh, before Dream did, I felt hardly, uh, uh, I, I felt it a lot, sorry, uh, at my old company. Where Dream, Dream.io you just mentioned, that's your current Dream company. Dream Data, yeah. Dreamdata.io, yeah. that's your company Correct. that does yeah. <laughs> um, attribution. Attribution, yeah. But in in the past, I uh, at my past companies, I one year from another, I I went out and hired a content team of uh, I think I think it was four people: a designer, a writer, videographer, and a manager for that team. Whereas we'd been heavily driven by just paid ads in the past, but as you grow, you realize we don't do six-digit deals just with clicks on ads. So we needed to build use cases, technical documentations, etc. And like for the first long period. I could, the only proof that I had was, hey, look at Google Analytics. We're getting more organic visits or, you know, vanity metrics like, hey, the search engine tool is saying we're ranking a little bit better on this, this keyword now. The problem is that it's hard to pay salary with all these vanity metrics. Yeah. So you need, need to find a way where I can kind of get, just lay out the recipe of how our product is built. You put a tracking script on your website, and this tracking script tracks every user that comes to your website. Where do they come from? Which pages are they looking at? And then you store that in a data warehouse. And then you need to connect this user to the account that they're a part of. And once they're a part of an account in your database, then you also know whether you sell to this account or not. And by having all these sessions recorded and all the URLs that people looked at, then we can start to look at what are the URLs that people consistently look at once when they buy your product or what are the 
pages that they enter through organically through like search uh, SEO, if you want, uh, mm -hmm. that kind of consistently drive uh, signups to your product that go all the way to being close to one deals. So that at, at scale, that would be something like that you do where you first party track and store every piece of information of what's going on. Join that to a user that a, then a user that is joined to an account, and then you know at the end whether you sell to the accounts as well. And that is kind of the. Then I think there's there's two parts here. There's and that is you can say that's a quantifiable, very trackable return on content investment. But then there's also all the stuff that you post, for example, organically on LinkedIn or somebody who listens to a podcast, and that is harder to like always tangibly qualify so uh, this is here where you need to do a team effort to prove that it's valuable right for example almost um, whoever's in charge of that it's kind of their job then imagine uh if as a marketer in your company each channel had a its own marketer that was running it yeah in a larger company somebody's doing the social media posts somebody's doing video somebody's doing google ad um if your pay was based on, you know, if you were commission based and your pay was based mm -hmm. on what comes in, you have to somehow show what's closing from your activities. And ultimately, if you can show that you can get a raise or more money. And if you can't, you're going to be the first one that gets cut. So yeah. I guess if we look at the channels as if you don't have an employee doing each one of these channels, if you look at each one as, as the activity itself as an employee, and you're saying, do we cut this? activity because we can't mm -hmm. show um at some point you have to justify it you have to say we're pouring a lot of money here because we think stuff's coming from it but if we can see it's coming from all these other areas then why are we spending money on this like i dare people yeah. to look into their google adwords and try to actually attribute stuff to it <laughs> for most and companies it can be a... pretty scary it's just you set it and you set an amount of money to go into it because you're not doing your job if you don't have a budget going into google adwords and then yeah. you walk away and you see their numbers every month. Oh yeah, look, we're getting all this. But what comes from it? Probably nothing. Yeah. Like you So don't... yeah, the two things. I think the first one one is that I think anybody should understand that they are part of something that needs to produce money. Because you can only like spend your dollar once. And you know, you can buy an extra developer if that's what's good for your company, or you can buy another market, or you can buy another salesperson, or you can buy another thousand leads from, from your company. But you can only spend that money once. So the job of the CEO or CFO or whoever it is, is to distribute that money most effectively. And that's why it's so crucial for every team, no matter who you are, to be able to explain we do X, Y, C, and this is the way that we contribute to the company making more money. Which leads no. to the some of the problems in attribution, because in totally. very large companies, you do have different people, and they all want to prove they should have a job. <laughs> so they're all trying twenty percent. So. <laughs> right, you get the the office politics then within marketing, where they're all trying to show that what they did is what closed the deal, and yeah. uh, God forbid they all have access to the CRM to add and edit stuff. Um, yeah, you, the the savvy people are just going to be flooding with kind of false information attributing things to themselves that maybe shouldn't be yeah i think that's also that's one of the problems is that if people don't see themselves as part of just one sales journey or one customer journey but 
individual silos that is kind of competing against each other. That's where it starts to go wrong. And it's it's so silly when you think about it from the outside because the the customer doesn't give a, a, a damn thing about which team you represent. They're just, you know, they're doing some research, maybe exposed to an ad, reading your website, then gets in contact with a salesperson. Then they write on chat to have like a couple of FAQs tried off and then maybe they log into your product. But for them, it's just one journey. So I think the why you spend your money the most effectively is to figure about, you know, I don't care which department gets the money as long as we're trying to spend the money the best way possible. Right. So you get this issue where when a company's being successful, everybody's on the same team. As soon as you start having problems, which is when then the company starts saying, what do we need to get rid of here? <laughs> um, yeah. Suddenly everybody's on their own team and uh, no longer looking at, hey, what's going to be best for the sales funnel, but what's going to keep me in, employed for the for the next quarter? And yeah. then, and then you can get some real yeah. issues potentially in attribution. Is that where the attribution is dead push came from? Is it because of conflicts with attribution being properly used or is it just kind of a made up thing for attention? Like what's up with that? Why did people start trashing? I think uh, I think there's it's definitely true that some people make it up for attention because it's uh they've been noticing the LinkedIn LinkedIn algorithm getting triggered off by people contradicting each other whether it's true or not right. what people write. You post that and somebody posts back, fuck you, no, it's not. Attribution yeah. now all of a sudden you have activity. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that all marketers have an opinion about. So I think it works great for for, for viral reach. I think where it has gone wrong has been when people have been making bad decisions out of something where they should have questioned their own conclusions. Like the data is saying people searched organically and then arrived to the front page. Is that because you invested in SEO or is it because you ran ran a brand campaign and then people came directly to your website and signed up? Mm. So I think it's when people have left common sense behind and, you know, or they've like, we get attribution to our Google search ads because we bought our brand name. Yeah, great job. But that was actually the brand leader or somebody you met at the conference that made this happen. So I think it's rightfully trashed when people are just making stupid decisions made out of, based out of what narrative makes sense for them. We shouldn't try to kind of come up with what makes us look good. One of my favorite quotes, and I can never remember the person's name, it's usually on my wall but i don't see it on the wall for some reason i think people have forgotten that it's it's uh b2b is about multi-touch journeys that are very complex and very long and if you try to claim that only one small component of that journey was vital for the journey that's where you get it all wrong it's one joint long journey we put out some benchmarks before the summer based out of like 400 of our customers and there we can see the average journey would be 192 days from first touch to you winning deals. And it had 31 sessions in average and more than two people involved in the deals that people won. So then, and then like, I think where the attribution has gone wrong is when people claim that it was like my little component here that made all the difference. So I'm going to just over-invest in that little component. That's not how it, how it works. It's so many different small percentages here and there that pushes things forward or you only have a couple of your lead generators that are even being tracked so they end up getting all the credit yeah. 
multiple activities pushing into one tracked area, you're like, oh, this form is our most successful sales, but what's pushing people there? Like, why, yeah. why are they coming to that form? Oh, it was actually this email campaign and this event and this, oh, here's hmm. all, you know, Google ad versus these other Google ads. It seems like it can get broken out in so many different right. spots. Like, look, you have all these things pushing, like, please have different landing pages for each one. It helps with that. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> It, the, so the quote I was thinking of, and I'm not going to get it exact, and I can't remember who was a guy from uh, an early uh, internet company. He said, look, if we have the data, we'll make decisions based on that. And that's again, not exact. But if you don't have the data for me, then we're going with my gut. He's yeah. like, look, tell, telling his people, either bring me information or just listen to what I have to say about this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the boss and I know what I'm doing. And it seems yeah. frequently, if you know you have incomplete data, you can take it into account, but you kind of have to go with your gut and say, I think these things are working. I think these things aren't and maybe check mm. them to make sure you're not way off. But hey, if you don't have complete enough data, don't try to base things on really partial data because that's what you're saying. People go terribly wrong when they're like, oh, look at this one yeah. thing's way off the charts. Does that even make sense to you? Like, think about it. How does that account for all of your, you have one sales rep that accounts for everything, even things that he's not involved in um, or the attribution is for the contact that ends up having the deal closed. But you're like, well, there were three contacts you went through to get to that person. The deal actually came from this way low level person that you had this activity go on with. Mm. And then it, it got escalated as you were going through the sales process, through the funnel yeah. to other people. But hey, here's the where it originated with, you know, with this assistant person at this event or with this response to an email or whatever it is. Um, so that actually leads me to, sorry to interrupt you, uh, and we haven't talked about it yet, but you need to to f come up with an account-based timeline rather than a timeline of individuals doing something. I think you gave the, the perfect example there that some junior person starts some research about a problem, invites his or her manager, and his or her manager then ships the contract to the CFO or the CEO that, that buy, you know, signs contracts when they buy software. And if those three people are not part of the same journey, you end up thinking that the ad that actually got the researcher interested in was just a waste of money. And then you want to have more CEOs coming into your website, signing the contracts with you. Yeah. How do we get these CEOs? And then you bomb because we see that in data all the time. People yeah. say, oh yeah, CFOs. That's who we always do business with. That's a result. Of, yeah, sure. <laughs> what they're not realizing is, no, no, you never start with a CFO. Try running a yeah. campaign to them. You never get in the door. You're always starting with this lower level person and going up. But in their system, all they see is the CFO. All they see is the yeah. first interaction with the CFO. They're like, turns out steak dinners with CFOs is what wins us deals. <laughs> no, no, you can't just start. That just gets you fat. <laughs> Companies actually, then they'll run a campaign saying, let's invite a bunch of CFOs to a steak dinner. Some of those campaigns I'm sure work for people, but I bet you a lot of companies have been sold on on trying that kind of thing. Let's invite high level people to expensive mm. um, uh, events, expensive one on one dinners, and they wonder why it didn't do well. And it's like they're not even yeah. going to see your message. These people are not your entry point. They got the attribution wrong. It was yeah. some accountant or something like that that you had a piece of content uh, they saw uh, or what? Yeah, exactly. You know. Get that whole account timeline in there. Identify those few things that stand out as always leading to deals and go out and do more of those. So you're saying, it seems, when looking at attribution, not just to say, here's the contact, but to look at all contacts that are involved in a deal 
and yeah. or or were involved in the uh, funnel, and then look at all touches with those and lump them together. The account based approach yes. of saying it doesn't matter who the deal closed with so much. Let's look at everything that happened here on a timeline. I imagine so. You guys have a software that does this kind of thing. Um, yeah, exactly. When the touches are put in there, does it show that timeline of oh, here's here's all the interactions for a deal? Yeah, exactly. So if you think about it as, as uh, you know, thirty-one different timestamps, then it might be Sky that did some of them. Stefan did something else, and then it was a third colleague that then came and signed the contract. And B two Bs they just buy as teams. You know, they like probably talk together. We need a software for this. You go look for that. I'll review this technical section, and then he's he's the guy who's gonna sign the contract. And if all these things are detached, we don't understand what's going on. And then we think of something as cost and other things as where we make the money. And that makes us, you know, not put the money into the right buckets at the end of the day. I'm wondering how many companies when first trying attribution looked at it and said, wow, it turns out accounts payable is where all of our deals are coming from. You're like, no, no, that's where it's sent to after it's closed. <laughs> Stop yeah. looking at accounts payable as the, as the person to pitch. <laughs> that's I an agree, extreme, extreme example, I guess. That would be like the cartoon example of getting it wrong. Um, okay, so I love the concept of yeah. account-based, looking at everything across all the people involved so that you don't, you don't miss the actual initial interactions. In marketing, I, I always like to say, and I'm sure a ton of marketers have this philosophy, um, that it's really that first touch, that first foot in the door that's critical for most probably medium businesses. Large businesses have all these brand touches and all these other things that build up to get, it's a very complex um, atmosphere to get people's attention. But most small and medium businesses, there's one initial activity. Somebody got an email and responded. Somebody met at a conference. Somebody made a cold call, those kind of things. And really it's what's effective for getting a response in that first touch is the key. That's the marketing campaign that, oh my God, this one worked. Why? We use this line to introduce. We had this hook, we mm. had this product uh, feature that we mentioned. It, it, it comes down to like one simple thing. And, and I think a lot of marketers and small to medium businesses will recognize and be like, oh yeah, I remember that campaign. We said mm-hmm. this and then people responded and we were like, that's it. <laughs> that's what we had this new product that people liked and the other ones they didn't, that kind of thing. Um, kind of makes it simple in, in a way I think, for say, me the, uh, I, I've, that's I think my favorite model as well is really kind of the first touch model or at least a model that appreciates the very first things that takes place because in b2b there's going to be so many many touches like in the middle and like closing the deal but what are the few things that consistently starts up stuff that you end up winning those are the really interesting things that can, you know, like fill your new pipeline. I think the medium-sized businesses are the most fun because of that. <laughs> <You're> big <laughs> enough that you can have a lot of these marketing activities going on, but not so big that everything gets foggy, that you have so much brand influence for yeah. whether something happens, so many um, touches to track and people, it becomes impossible it's like, no, no, usually the person you talk to first is involved in the final closing. Um, it, it's, it's a lot cleaner and simpler. Yeah. Um, so I want to switch gears here a little bit and make sure we've mentioned your company, uh, but I want to talk specifically about your company. Um, and that's uh, what dreamdata.io. 
right? right? You guys do this kind of um, attribution tracking. You have a software that does this. That uh, So can you tell us kind of, I know it's a lot of what we've been talking about, but give us your pitch. Yeah. Kind of on, tell us what yeah, your company does and, and what makes it special. So our goal is really to take any bit of information that you have available about your customer journeys, extract that and put it into a data warehouse. So that's typically your CRM, your marketing automation tool, your dialing software, your customer success software, um, stuff that takes place on your website, your ad spend, et cetera. We want to put all of that extracted out of the silo that it lives within. And then we, what you pay our algorithms for essentially is just you know nitpicking and saying, oh, this guy that clicked this email in the automation system, he's actually also the guy that we had a sales meeting with in the CRM system. And he was With the also same the company, that... yeah. Exactly. So we want to deduplicate everything and clean it up and make sure there's just a nice clean timeline of X amount of people in this account are doing these things uh, at this present time. And, you know, just give you a radical better transparency into what's happening on every account that you deal with. Um, and then, obviously, then we've built some dashboards and some analysis that helps highlight if it's search ads, then it's this analysis. If it's organic search, then it's this analysis. If it's a webinar analysis, which webinars work, it's another analysis. But essentially, the, the core uh, function is uh, this: uh, these algorithms to just extract all the data that lives in silos and make nice, clean account-based timelines out of all of them. And then you can access these through a, an application we've built for us who don't code. But the data, the, the finished, uh, refined uh, data models are also available for those who, who can code as well. Excellent. So what's the... So you have the platform, information is getting pushed in from all over the place. I imagine a CRM is kind of the most yeah, important, like, the hey, if, if you don't have a CRM, don't talk to Stephen and he's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Stefan and his people, like, worry about the CRM first. Um, we got to yeah. have that to pull any of this off. I would be yes and yes and no. We've actually just launched now a new free product we call Digital Analytics, which is uh, you can think of it as an alternative to for a B2B alternative to Google Analytics. So we have this tracking script where we record where do people come from, what do they look at. And then if you think about Google Analytics, it's very centric on e-commerce. We've just built a similar tracking solution just for being very centric on B2B. So it's how many companies comes to your website, how much revenue comes out of these things. And that is actually available for free now, even if you don't uh, connect the CRM system. Cool. So there's just okay. a, a small, small pitch for, for that. So if most of your activity or a decent portion comes through your website, then something like that as an independent tool that can kind of help you see what, where, and how it's, it's coming through there. Yeah. And we, 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 we reverse look up the IP addresses. So, you know, if it's X companies back on your web cell, you'll get to know that as well. So we join uh, kind of. Google so when analytics. your Google ad sends you people, and this is one of the, I'm always yeah. yelling about this. They send you people and you pay and you're like, great, we got 3000 people to our site from this, from our Google ads um, this month. Like 3,000 people, but who? You have no idea who. This gives yeah. you an idea of who. Yeah, you resolute them towards the, if they sit at a registered company address, then you know. Yep. Excellent. Um, so 
So you have that product. It does helps people with this attribution, gives them this beautiful timeline. You can see here's all the trackable touches at least yeah. that went on during this deal. What's the what's the number one kind of epiphany people have when they try your software? I guess is it wow, this is working so well, or as far as a certain <laughs> channel, a certain piece of content, or is it about uh them being shocked that something they thought was important and they put a lot of budget into that apparently drives almost yeah <laughs> i think that if we start i can mention a couple of things so i think one is that some people get uh, dis uh, disappointed or frustrated that this thing we're pouring so much money into but like, we at least can't prove that there's any revenue coming out of it afterwards you bought a million clicks from google display ads but you almost yielded no revenue out of it so that's kind of puncturing these kind of myths that this is working or not working. The opposite is that because B2B marketers are not used to having this e-com kind of look where they can see ad campaign or keyword related to money, this is what we make available for people. So you spend $5,000 on this campaign. You actually produce a deal that is worth $25,000. So that's you can see the potential ROI. That was yeah, from so click came in specifically from this ad, and here's an account you sold for afterwards to $25,000. That's good. People very excited, and then makes it a no-brainer where to put the next money. And then I think the last thing that surprises people is how long their journeys are when it comes down to it. Oh, Because they can people, see all the different touches and say, holy cow, we thought yeah. we sent this and this happened, and now we see this huge pass for two years they've been interacting with our content. Exactly. Like people typically know from when it hits whatever pipeline in the CRM, they can say, oh, this account came here and then we closed it three months later. And then before that lies six months or 12 right. months of social selling podcast webinars. Or four other salespeople that tried and failed and dropped the ball. Yeah, yeah. some tried outbound, all kinds of stuff. This typically surprises people how much effort has actually gone into the accounts and practically no accounts just came come in overnight and you sell to them. I would imagine it may also help companies see um, what account managers are being successful. Like you'll see, oh, here's our best, or or maybe some account managers like this particular channel when it goes to this person, they close. But this channel goes that, to yeah. this person, like these people, this guy's no good with demos, apparently, because this yeah. is our most popular Things tend to close once they go here. This guy doesn't close them from here, but he does close them from there and maybe mm. even help uh, with lead routing to who should handle what type of clients or what type yeah. of leads. Yeah, correct. Getting a little outside of the, the scope of things here. So I feel like we we baited people with, hey, this is going to be about content and attribution. And we haven't even really talked that much about <laughs> content. Um, all of this kind of applies to content, but let's get directly to content. A company's got a dozen pieces of content. And, and just to add kind of lay a layer of everything you've been saying, you've been saying mm -hmm. like, Hey, you're tracking all these web activities. Just yeah. pretend all those activities are Google ads promoting specific content on your site or, or, you know, natural traffic to specific content on your site. So it is, that can be very content related, uh, you know, promoting content in an email campaign. Uh, mm. They're talking about white papers or a specific product page or something like that. It's all content uh, promoting your podcast in many different yeah. mediums so we haven't been mentioning the word content all that much but every one of these channels everything you put out is some form of 
of content, whether it's a case study or anything else? Yeah, I'd, uh, I think so. Digitally native about all when I say these things, it, it can be content, it can be an ad, etc. But we can do some some simple uh, examples then. So one thing is we help people check which ebook is the best ebook. So if you have like five different ebooks, you can download your on your website. We can quickly myth bust of all those five ebooks. When you want deals or whether when accounts hit the sales pipeline, it's actually ebook A that they've downloaded. Okay, mm-hmm. that then tells you the content of ebook A is what people look at once they buy from you. So scrap those four others because you had a thousand downloads, nobody ended up buying. Mm-hmm. So go produce more of that content in that ebook because that's what gets the deal moving. Um, it could be like broadly speaking, is it better to which conversions are better? Like, is it an ebook? Is it a newsletter? Is it a product sign up or is it a demo call? You can quickly check which of those conversions are the best conversions and what correlates mostly with revenue. Ah. So instead of having the, you know, switching main call to actions on the website, if free is better than a demo call, let's just, you know, change the call to action. So we push people into free or is it actually better that they download this ebook first and then they get a demo call uh, or like an outbound call or something like that? So you're looking at the attribution, but also different kind of permutations of it, saying this yeah. content was best, but even more than that, or if you look at any content that you're going to keep, you could say this ebook is successful. Forget about whether it's most successful. It's successful enough to keep, but what's the most successful path for it? Oh, well, mm. we followed up in this way. It was the most successful path. So after the ebook, let's follow up with an SDR call or a direct email campaign or, you know, whatever the next, whatever the success, oh, it was a webinar that came after it that really nailed it. So we need to do more of this combination of things versus just yeah. this one. So you're talking about, that's where we get back to the, um, the customer the journey mm-hmm. and kind of managing the combination of content as well. Yeah, you can get even more granular and then you can say if you have like three pipeline stages, first touch to MQL, MQL to SQL, SQL to one deal. What are the content components we have in each of these stages? And what are the things that we can serve people that moves them forward? Maybe the webinars are crap as a as the first touch that never leads to revenue, but maybe you can create a webinar that takes them from being a marketing qualified lead to a sales qualified lead. So it's like a, a, like a boxer doing a combination of punches and just trying to figure out what order is most successful. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, actually start with a jab and then an uppercut. That works. Or do jab, jab. And this, putting together that combination of marketing punches versus just what's the knockout punch, what's the final punch. Like, no, no, yeah. there's this whole combination leading up to it. What's the order that works best? What's the, um, you can get, dig down into it beyond yeah. just identifying content you should get rid of and content you should invest in more. Mm, I think also, and then kind of the magical component is to to be able to see which of those URLs and pieces of content that you have that correlates with you making more money. Like if you have a hundred one deals you can look at what are all the urls and which pieces of content did people interact with mm-hmm. and you know if that ranks poorly in google right now but it actually gets some deals going through all the way to being one then you can call i don't know if, if that's one of your services but you can at least call this seo agency and say 
I want to move this piece of content from ranking in average 10 to let's move it up to top three instead, because I know that getting visits to this page normally correlates with us producing money. Right. So instead of you optimizing towards what is the keyword that has the most traffic, you optimize the SEO stuff related to what is the pages that produce money most frequently. And you say, let's focus on those. They're converting best. And then yeah. even, I mean, it seems like it pushes all around. You can look at those pages and say, why? Is this just what mm. the customers are interested in? Is this a better product? Is this a better pitch? Is there something different on those pages as far as how they're put together and how they are and why they're converting? Um, so yeah. it really just kind of helps optimize the whole path the more people look into it. Again, assuming you have enough data points to get an accurate picture. Otherwise, go with the old gut. Yeah. Use your gut feeling and think, where are people expressing the most intent? Is that a super broad piece of content or is it a very specific, like long tail article? I want to buy this piece of product with uh, yellow, green, and blue buttons. That's probably, if you can get people to search for that and enter your website, that's probably a, a very high uh, intent. So you work to make that old adage of half of our content works, but we don't know which half go away, basically. And say, yeah. let's help you figure out which quarter to reinvest more in and which quarter to cut. Yeah. Awesome. I uh, want to jump back to kind of you and your company. We've got a brief description of what you guys do. Everybody understands basically everything we've been talking about here is what you do, what your company yeah. does, what your software totally. does. Yeah. And we'll have links and we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes in the show notes and all that kind of stuff for how to get to you guys and check out your new thing and everything. But let's get a brief bit of information on you people are listening and they're like this guy sounds funny why does he sound funny um <laughs> so can you tell us about uh yourself uh, we've got uh what stefan heidebrandt here that'll give you a little tip on where we're going um about you where you've come from how you got to the spot you're at now yeah happy to so we're founded in copenhagen denmark uh me and my co-founders uh we my two co-founders were the technical leads at a review platform called Trustpilot. It's the biggest consumer review platform in the world, I believe. They got annoyed by salespeople getting all the credit for sales <laughs> because they knew the product was signing up thousands of new accounts every month. So they decided, let's look at the path that every account takes until we win them. And I had the kind of the opposite challenge of being a B2B marketing leader going from spending zero money on ads to spending around $100,000 in ads every month, where I initially had a good idea about, we put some money in here and this came out on the other side. But the last $10,000, $20,000 you put into that budget every month, you basically have no clue about what's what's going on with it. And I was just so frustrated in trying to come up with it, like, you know, cumbersome, stupid, half-smart, half-ass solutions. Um, and we just met at the right time. And uh, I just, I knew for a fact that if you have a solution for this, then there's thousands and thousands and thousands of B2B marketers out there with the same problem. So it's a classic story of I saw this problem and I knew a lot of other people had the totally. same problem. And then we've gone on to, yeah, just raised our depending on when your show comes up, but we've just raised our Series A uh, now and kind of on, it's, it's on this classical venture-funded path where we, you know, it's, you know, grow fast, get a lot of customers fast, improve the product super fast, uh, et cetera. And then fingers crossed that we can keep going on. But uh, 
you know, funding we, means we, you've been paid now to see how fast you can spend money. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, <laughs> it's a different way of, you know, if you're bootstrapping, you're trying to make whatever dollar you make fit the dollar of cost you have every month for here. You actually have to go faster for a period at least than what you have revenue for. And it can be a little bit nerve wracking sometimes mm. to say, okay, let's just move completely into the red zone for six or 12 months and then see if we can catch up on revenue afterwards. It's it's almost like it's okay to waste as long as you learn enough from it to keep growing faster. Like they expect, sure. The yeah. first hundred thousand dollars you threw away but you learned this from it so you were successful you're running experience yeah. you have a lot of money to run experiments now to do r d <laughs> yeah and it you know that's what it is to build a company it's mm. like i tell people you know just have this experimental mindset think about everything as a test talk about what should we do next go try them out see how the result is you know learn from it try to come up with new experiments a lot of it's not going to work. You just keep want to keep sustaining the things that do work. So one of the benefits of you guys uh, getting investment is probably this new free thing that you're putting out. Uh, I have a yeah. link for it here. We'll put it in the show notes. But can you, is, is that, I mean, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Is that everything? Is there more to say about it? No. So I think we've kind of always wanted to go this very bit of uh, with a buzzword product-led direction where we want to mature the customer as much as totally possible before salespeople engage. And I think this is how people like to buy software nowadays. I, I at least, I don't want to talk to sales if I can avoid it. Right. Just the freemium the model product. kind of where marketing selling for yeah, the most part. Let me just yeah. try the product. I'll find out if it works. And then when it works, I'll, I'll call you and say, I want to buy now. Wait, I'm hearing something here. You were so frustrated with sales getting all the credit in the last company. That you said, yeah. I'm going to develop a company where sales gets no credit. Yeah. <laughs> How can we eliminate these salespeople? They pissed me off for the last time. <laughs> no, I, I did for our company. I did the first 100 demo calls myself. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for how much of a craft that sales really is. And I have even more now that I've had to do, <laughs> had to do all these uh, demos myself. So this also, it's a, you know, it should be a collaboration and it should be, you know, marketing qualified leads is something that you should be truly proud of, uh, of giving to your salespeople because you know the likelihood of it closing is super high yeah that's when, when b2b becomes a little bit uh, beautiful well, sales and marketing <laughs> love each other because sales are like oh my god these people just keep handing me yeah revenue basically they just giving me commissions look at these beautiful deals they're handing me i can yeah close them and and I, they start loving marketing. It gets back to the thing when everybody's doing well, sales and marketing love each other. Mm. When things are difficult, suddenly they start pointing yeah. fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's kind of the background story. We have had really, my found two co-founders had a great technical idea. I, I sincerely felt the pain myself. And now we're here three and a half years later or something like that. Awesome. Can you give uh, listeners an idea who's the ideal person that benefits from your platform? Like people are listening and they're saying, oh, that's me. Um, so are there types of companies, situations yeah. that are a good fit and not a good fit? Other than we mentioned before, if you don't have a CRM, focus yeah. on that. So we're purely B2B. 
Uh, and then I would say tech-savvy companies. Uh, I think like ideal, ideal customer profile is software-as-a-service companies that kind of have their whole go-to-market digital. So in marketing investment digital, salespeople inside sales, product delivery digital. Here you can kind of close the loop completely from first touch to product usage. But I would say anybody, any B2B with our CRM system and like fairly digital savviness can just, you know, go to our website and install our script and they'll start to see how the product works. Within okay. the companies, it, it tends to be marketing related, growth related uh, people who, who mainly use the product right now. So uh, if your company is kind of like that Tommy Boy style company where you have salespeople getting in the car and going on the road to sell your product, probably not the best yeah. fit. Um, it's more of the SaaS, everything's digital. You've got demos yeah. going on that are selling the product, that kind of uh, yeah, pushing exactly. people online and the flow through there. Exactly. And I guess done right with these type of companies, uh, cold calling is dead because you don't have to cold call when you have lots of warm leads coming in to uh, have give demos and, and close. So getting back to the something's dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or maybe like just ideally... only cold calls, cold call, only cold calls to accounts that looks exactly like those you normally sell to. So you don't like just spray and pray, but like yeah. you're sniper rifling those you call. Fantastic. Um, okay. This has been great. I want to encourage people go to uh, ifyoumarket.com and uh, check out the links through to um, Stefan and his company and the service that they're offering. Again, that's a, the new product is um, like a free to use style thing, right? B2B Google analytics. Think about it. That's right. that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so check that out. The links for that again, will be on ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please do, uh, you know, share the podcast on social media, spread us around, give us a good review, all that kind of stuff. It, it helps. Everybody appreciates it. And um, on behalf of the If You Market team and Stefan Heidebrandt, did I get that right? Yeah, <laughs> approved. Of Dream Data, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with content attribution, they will come. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.